Objects, said philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, should not touch because they are not alive. You use them, put them back in place, you live among them, they are useful, nothing more. But they touch me, it's unbearable. I'm afraid of being in contact with them as though they were living beasts. After using my mum's old Tupperware containers as grief therapy after she passed away a few years ago, I became fascinated at how and why such a simple piece of plastic could hold so much emotion for me. How could these objects touch me so deeply? So I became overtaken with wonder at how my use of objects owned, used and cherished by her could be so powerful and therapeutic. Why do we invest so much in things? How could a basic, empty plastic container, a mere tool, make us so happy? And surely, in a world crowded with waste, disposability, materialism and hyper-consumerism, investing meaning in objects, in stuff, is part of the problem. And Tupperware, I mean, it's just an empty plastic container bound for landfill, right? Or is it a container of fascinating intergenerational stories? Well, I'm on the road to discovering the answers to these questions, plus a whole world of stories about us. Women, men, people, children, community, food, family, friendship, empowerment, and more. So Sartre, it seems, was onto something. Objects just aren't objects. My name is Megan Spencer, and this is Auspicious Plastic, a podcast. Hello, I'm Sarah. I am originally from Luxembourg. I'm 28 years old and I'm a journalist and I live in Berlin. Thanks for lending me your Tazcam. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Sarah is a new okay, friend so. in Berlin who I met at the Berlin International Film Festival. Recently, her grandmother's ornate wooden sideboard was shipped to her from Luxembourg. While it's certainly not plastic, it is very beautiful. So my grandmother, who is who just turned 92 this year, lives in Luxembourg, and she's lived in Luxembourg all her life. That's where I'm from too. And she lived in the same house for, I would say, close to 50 years. And in that house, she had a lot of furniture. And it happens that this sideboard was part of her furniture, Ever since I can remember, this sideboard was in my grandmother's living room. And now she moved out of her house and she lives in an old people's home. And I have the sideboard in my Berlin apartment. I, I suppose I, I, I've become really used to it being here and I don't really think of this story every time I pass it. It just makes me happy that it's in good hands, but most of all, I'm, I'm happy because it's something that comes from my family. And so it's not just something I bought. It's something that came to me through my family. Could you describe it for us? So I would say it's about one and a half metres long. It's made of dark-ish wood. I have no idea what kind of wood. It's about 60, 70 centimetres high, and it's got two little little doors with very old school kind of keys and locks to to open those doors and inside there's wooden shelves how old do you think it is i would say it's not older than 60 70 years and what do you store in it 
I store tablecloths, well, tablecloths, that sounds very um, dramatic <laughs> or bourgeois, I'm not sure. <laughs> I store things that don't really um, find their space anywhere else. So, for example, blankets, sheets for the bed. What else do I store in it? Mm. Do you want to have a look? <laughs> yeah, that might be a good let's, idea. Let's unlock the door. Let's see what treasures you've got in here. Yeah, it's um, so it's linen. It's like a linen it's cupboard. Linen, yeah, I, I, yeah, linens, and maybe on the other side. Let's see what we got on the other side. A laptop, and a camera, and pillowcases. That's about it. And what's on top of it? So on top we got my great grandmother's vase, which is. Honestly, I can't really say anything else about it apart from the fact that it's from my great-grandmother and that's already pretty awesome because I don't own anything else by her. Next to it, I got a picture of my mother and me um, when I was little and my mum was younger, so I suppose I was about two years old and it's on the beach. It's one of my favourite pictures. And then we've got a record player and I've got... Some origami swans that a friend gave me. And, and an old pipe. And that's Mazia's old pipe, yeah. That's my husband's mm-hmm. pipe that he smokes from time to time. What did your grandmother store in this? Do you recall it in her house? I recall it in her house. And I remember that my granddad used to also have a record player on top of it. And he had a record player on top of it and he always played classical music. Inside this sideboard, he had some records, uh, which he stored the wrong way. Instead of upright, he put them down. Um, And cassettes, also music cassettes. And then there were also, I think, there was some crockery in it and some cutlery and things like that. So it was not a linen cupboard. It, It kind of acted as an extension of the record player. So given that you have set it up, with an element, a degree of specialness. And it, and it features in your room. Like, you walk in, it's pretty much the first thing you see. The light's hitting it beautifully now through the windows here. What kind of associations does it bring up in you when you use it? Are you conscious of memories or anything like that when you do use it? No, I must say I, I have completely integrated it into my everyday life and there's nothing romantic to be said about any memories that cross my mind when I use it like that, no. So you're, you're, I, I sense a reluctance in actually talking about this with any kind of nostalgia, but you said earlier that it did represent family to you, this object. It, it held something along those lines. So what, what is your relationship to this object? I mean, I don't think it's a reluctance. I I just... I'm happy that it's here. But I do not think about my childhood when I open this cupboard. And I also... I am reluctant to give it that meaning because it simply doesn't have that meaning for me. There are things that I own that I care about that I would not throw out the window because I like them. Maybe objects don't really trigger any feeling of depth in me. It's more people maybe photos, but objects themselves are, for me, beautiful to look at. I'm an esteed. I like looking at beautiful things, but I do not 
necessarily attach stories or stories don't pop up for me when I interact with everyday objects in that way. So do you love any objects? Sure. I love things like a necklace that a friend gave me, my wedding ring, some books that I hold dear, but that's that, that's about it really. So do you think that um, we live in a world that sort of perhaps um, overdoes it with the meaning that we give to objects? I think we totally give too much uh, meaning to objects. I think that as humans, objects perhaps give us comfort in this kind of stuffy way where maybe we're a bit scared that once we don't have anything, what are we going to do with ourselves? But not having so much stuff actually opens up space. And it's interesting, I think, that it, what you do when you don't have much stuff. Making do with less. Yeah, making do with less. I mean, those are all big words and it can very quickly sound pompous and it can very quickly sound moralizing. That's not my point. I just, for my own life, um, I would like not to have too much stuff. Your grandmother might be a fan of that also, the owner of that sideboard, yeah? I think she would like it because her house was also never that full of stuff. And I think it's something that also, I mean, it can go either ways, but I think in families... It's also a lot about how you grow up. And when I look at my mother's house and I look at my grandmother's house, they were never full of stuff. They were always a bit like my house now. Nice things, books, you know, some nice furniture. But, you know, the basement wasn't full of archived newspapers that no one's ever going to touch again. There was always space to breathe. And I think that's probably where I got this attitude from. I'm Megan Spencer and you're listening to Auspicious Plastic. It's a podcast about objects and how they can bring meaning and joy to our lives. You've mentioned space a couple of times. Tell me more about your ideas around space. I think there is space inside of us and space outside of us. And a good example is what happens when you tidy up your space. You usually feel... A little bit more relaxed, maybe you have a clearer mind afterwards. And for me, that's kind of a good metaphor. I mean, I would like the space around me to be not empty, but to be harmonious. And for me, harmonious means not hoarded with things. So that it makes me feel like there is space inside of me. It makes me feel like I can breathe. So it sounds like to me, inside space, there's less distraction Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there are so many distractions already in our world, right? So creating a home or creating a space in which I feel comfortable. Yeah, I'd like to minimise the distractions. So if I walk in your kitchen now and open your cupboards, am I likely to find any Tupperware there or any vintage anything in there? Uh, All the Tupperware you're going to find is probably Tupperware I bought a few years ago. Did you have any thoughts about Tupperware at all? I mean, I do, as you well know. I mean, all I can say about Tupperware is that it's usually too big or too small, (laughs) and it's really annoying, and you never find the right bloody lid for it. And, like, how annoying is that? So, you know, it's too big. Who needs this huge Tupperware? And it's too small. (laughs) Well, And where is the lid for it? That's basically it. This is hilarious. You're the first Tupperware critic I've come across. 
I think Tupperware is, oh dear, no. Did your mum or grandmother have any in their cupboards, do you recall? Yeah, my mother had some, <laughs> but really not that much. We used to store things in little bowls with, with a plate on top in the fridge, really. <laughs> Fantastic. So overall, you don't really care too much about stuff and things, is it, other than maybe if they're functional or if they look good. Is that right? I would say so, yeah. I would never have thought that I'm such a minimalist, but I suppose I don't care too much about things and I just like them to look good and do their job. And yeah. if we took all these bits and pieces away from you, there's not a lot here, but if we took them away from you, how would you feel? No, I would feel awful. I mean, I'm happy that they're here, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, but that's it. So, Sarah, if you meet with someone like me who all of a sudden realises that she has some kind of deep, profound connection with objects and it's come about as a result of um, losing my mum, me inheriting some of her old bakeware that she had as a young woman growing up and got given as wedding presents, and then her Tupperware collection, which is not vast, but it's from significant periods in her life and my own, and I have invested clearly a lot of memory and a lot of sentiment and attachment and connection to my mum through these objects. And realising too that I am a collector and I have a much more materialistic than I realised. Um, what do you make of that, me having this kind of epiphany and needing to use these things and own these things um, for grief therapy? And if they were taken away from me, I, I think I'd be really upset. Well, I think that's beautiful. I really... <laughs> there is nothing... It, it, it's beautiful. I mean, and it makes sense in a lot of ways. It makes sense. God knows how I would react after my mother's death, how I would relate to her stuff. It just so happens that this sideboard, for example, is not related to grief for me. Maybe things shift when death comes around or they can shift they definitely don't shift for everybody because a lot of people don't think twice chucking lots of old stuff away or emptying their parents house out you know so I suppose when grief comes into the picture your relationship to things you once took for granted can change I think there's something beautiful about it and maybe also in a way, all of these material things, all of these material possessions are all that is left of her in a material way and in a material mm. world. So, you know, it makes sense that one would attach oneself to whatever is there and that those things also have memories in them and that they trigger things for you. I think it makes perfect sense. It's interesting too, isn't it? I, I almost feel like I time travel sometimes, so it's really related to time. And this beautiful piece here, that's not just vintage, that's, that's much bigger than that. It's much more significant than that. This sideboard of, of your grandmother's, it really represents a certain time in her life. Do you ever reflect on that at all? No, not when I look at the sideboard. Mm. It does cross my mind. I think about my grandmother's life, um, especially now that she moved out of her house, regardless of what I see in front of me. Maybe you're more of a people person than I am. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm much more materialistic than I ever really realised. 
So maybe for you, the profound part of being alive is the connection with people. Yeah, but I would say it is for you too, wouldn't you say so? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, we're shaped by our relationships and we can only truly thrive if if our relationships are healthy too. And we can only have good relationships if we work on ourselves. So I I would say, of course, like being surrounded by people you love is paramount <laughs> better than hundreds of piles of newspaper teetering in the lounge room is that what you mean <laughs> I would say so yeah I would venture to say that I think most psychologists might agree with me there <laughs> creating external space for better inner space yeah yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> sounds all awfully therapeutic but yeah it's true yeah. <laughs> That's it for another episode of Auspicious Plastic. Huge thanks to my guest or guests for their time and willingness to share their ideas and stories about the things that they love. And massive thanks also to gifted music composer and musician Jeremy Conlon, a.k.a. Cooper Black, for creating the auspicious music theme for this podcast. You can find the full complement of his music online at cooperblack.bandcamp.com. And if you'd like to share your story with me or get in touch, please email me at hello at themeganspencer.com or you can visit my website, themeganspencer.com. And thank you too, auspicious listener. I'm grateful for your time, attention and feedback. My name's Megan Spencer and you've been listening to Auspicious Plastic. It's a podcast made about precious objects, made with love and dedicated to my mother Margaret. Until next time.